Hello, hello, hello. I am your Elizabeth Chong, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to... Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook, with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hey there, and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the most is Munoz, and I already know, I already know, no one cares that we are in mid-October and just tobogganing down towards the holidays. I got it, I got it, I got it. I have been feeling really old these days, y'all. Like, I get up, and it's like a really joyous moment to, like, soak my laundry in the bathtub before I put it in the washing machine. Oh, my God, I don't know what else is there. Oh, my God, you know what? But actually, I hate going out and paying a lot of money for a bad meal. And that's exactly what happened last night. It was just one thing after the next. Like, the meal just wasn't enjoyable. And then the bill came, and I was like, really? It was this much? Plus, like, the staff was just having a night. The poor... The poor, like, high school busboy was dropping things every two seconds. We felt so terrible for him. Oh, my God, y'all. The world is still crazy, and that's all I got for you, with the exception of today's Chef Gay Liberty, because I am super excited, and I'm just ready to get to the getting on today on this beautiful on this beautiful day in New York and hopefully in Detroit. So, without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only Chef Jonathan Kong. Say hi. <laughs> hey. Hello there. Hi. How are you, beautiful? Okay. Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Well, in your yeah. mouth, listeners, I have been chasing not only the food, but the face of Chef Jonathan Kong for quite some time. And he is finally here. And I am so excited. But, John, before we get to the getting on, in the grand tradition of In Yo Mouth, I need to wish you happy National Yorkshire Pudding Day. Oh, my gosh. I actually really like Yorkshire puddings. 
I didn't know it was Yorkshire pudding day. Those I things are delicious. The last time I've had a Yorkshire, a Yorkshire pudding. Yeah. Um, I don't make them myself. The last time I had one, it was at like a restaurant opening and they had like the gravy and all that. But I kind of make a version of them. Uh, it's kind of like that, but it's uh, queijo, a Brazilian cheese bread. But you do it in a way that if you do it in the oven with muffin tins, they come out like Yorkshire oh. puddings. That wasn't as interesting a anecdote as I thought it <laughs> would actu- be. It's actually very interesting because it's at the essence of what you do, body, mind, and soul these days. So I love that. And you are in luck, John, because you get a double day. It's also Happy National M&M Day. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, can we swear on this? I'm so sorry. Yeah, you could totally okay, swear. Cool. It's, this is our space, so fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, M&M's, do we have a favorite flavor? Because they come in all the flavors now. Aren't they all the same flavor, but just different colors? No, there's like... I mean, they're all chocolate, right? Well, they're all chocolate, but there's like peanut M&M, and then there's almond M&M, oh, and then there's a crispy oh, M&M, yeah. and didn't they have like a malted M&M or a mint M&M? I think I've had the malted M&M before, and I really liked it. I really liked that one. They're kind of like... um Maltesers, yeah. but like in M&M size. I really like those. Yeah, I'm I'm actually partial to uh, almond M&M or like a dark oh, work. or a dark <laughs> chocolate. Very fancy. You know, dark chocolate. Yeah. Actually, my favorite M&Ms are the ones that you put in the fridge and then you eat them because there's nothing like... <gasps> Oh, are you a candy person? Do you like candy? I don't, I'm like a chocolate person. I love chocolate Do, of any kind. Now, wait. Gra- the great debate. Is M&M candy or chocolate? <gasps> M&M's are... I would say chocolate because when I'm craving chocolate, I will eat M&M's as like a suitable... Sub, I'm not substitute, but like I, I'll eat if I want a chocolate, I will have an M M&M. and M. Oh, okay, okay. So I think we're here for National M and M Day and National yes. Yorkshire Pudding Day. But no matter what you celebrate out there in your mouth, listeners, today we celebrate you. And moving right along to this day in gay history, did, John, did you know that in 1987, over 600 lesbians, gay men, and supporters are arrested? on the steps of the U.S. Supreme Court in the largest civil disobedience protest in the history of the gay and lesbian rights movement. Work. When did this happen? 1987. 1987. Could you imagine, like, how scary that would have been, like, in the late 80s, just, like, being out and in public like that? That was in, That's insane. Yeah, I was alive. I was alive. That's only, like, 30-some-odd years ago. It's not that long ago. I was also alive. So I was also alive. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> well, to those who stood on the steps and, you know, took one for the team and got us to where we are today, even though we are still fighting for our rights, we salute you on this day. But I really want to get to the getting on in your mouth, listeners. I know you are all actively listening, but... As I give you the the epic bio of Chef Jonathan Kung, I need you to go to his Instagram, chef, at Chef John, J-O-N Kung, and take a look at the face. you know? Go for the, fa- go for the face. 
and the body and stay for the recipes because it's all well worth it. In your mouth, listeners, Chef Jonathan Kong hails from Hong Kong and Toronto, but now calls Detroit home. This culinary master has had made his mark on the Detroit food scene by running private underground dinner parties that sold thousands of tickets over the years pre-pandemic. Due to COVID, Jonathan was forced out into the light or out of the culinary closet, if I may, and pivoted to creating cooking videos on social media, which quickly shot him to internet fame. He inspires over a million people daily to explore their own kitchen in a brand new way by sharing what has been called an artful take on on third culture cuisine. He is a proud dog dad and his culinary prowess on and offline has skyrocketed him to becoming a prominent LGBTQ voice in food. Yes. Oh my God. Can I get, like, can you email me that intro? <laughs> so I can people may ask for them from now on because that was amazing you know I, I i got so excited and i was like oh damn she's talking about me yeah that that's you boo that's you right? uh, <laughs> what's it feel like hearing that back because that is in a nutshell you you know what i i was actually i i told somebody about this they were like so how has it all been for you since all this tiktok stuff has happened and like going over to New York last week, meeting you, meeting people like literary agents and publishers and stuff like that. None of it still to this day, like I told you, it didn't feel real then. It still doesn't really feel real now. I feel like my life has just kind of like shifted into this kind of fantasy that has been really poorly written like i wouldn't believe it i was like this doesn't happen to people this doesn't happen to people at all like i just feel super lucky but at the same time like i'm still waiting to wake up at any moment yeah, and i i completely can relate to that i mean you know had you told me this is where i would be like not even eight years ago you know taught uh, uh providing this platform and and communing and and getting to meet uh, incredible people like you, um, uh, like I would be like, are you, are you freaking kidding me? Get the hell out of here. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's, yeah. that's the joy of this. The, the dream is very well alive. It is here. You can pinch yourself, but don't pinch yourself too hard, you know? And, and it's a testament to the incredible talent that you have and the incredible being that you are are for sure you know you so much <laughs> yeah, but well it's true in your mouth listeners as you as most of you know unless you're new here and welcome if you are hi um uh, i don't know most of my guests on on this right i i internet stalk them slide into their dms respectfully and sometimes disrespectfully and <laughs> And I just so happened to be very, very lucky to email John, and he just so happened to be in New York, and we had we had a couple cocktails and shot the breeze and got to know each other, and it just makes it that much more exciting to have him here to share his experience with you. And I kind of want to start in the place of what you call and what has and what Eater has called an artful take on third culture cuisine and what that means. So uh, third culture cuisine is a concept that I've been trying to promote, I guess, within the 
culinary vocabulary recently where it's like um, it stems from being a third culture kid or a child of the diaspora where you have people like, well, you and I um, who have like kind of like a home culture, the cultures of our parents. In my case, it would be Chinese. Um, but at the same time, we live in a world where our culture is vastly different from that of the culture of our home. And because we have this constant back and forth and shift between cultures, we kind of become somewhat of like in-between people. We're not exactly experts at one or, one or another, but at the same time, we're very much, I think, enriched by the fact that we have daily exposure to both. And I think that can be a reflection in our food. And lo and behold, like I've been speaking to a lot of people like me, not, necess not necessarily like the same ethnicity or culture as I am, but people who relate to this third culture concept very, very deeply, whether it they be um, Mexican-Americans, uh, South Asian-American, Chinese-American, um, and of course, like I say, American, but you could be like, you know, British or, or Australian or Canadian or whatever. But like, I just happen to be in the United States. So I speak to a lot of third culture Americans. And so we have kind of like taken the memory of our home cuisine and adapted to the tastes of the culture of our home. And in that way, we kind of like are developing and taking ownership of this different kind of cuisine that is like not quite fusion because I feel like fusion is a very superficial take on kind of like, um, I guess exotic exoticisms and exotic cultures, but, uh, it's more in depth where you're just, you just have the complete immersion in both. And that out of that comes something that is completely yeah, unique. Yeah. And we have spoken about diaspora culture a little, it's a complicated, it's a complicated thing to like kind of wrap your mind around sometimes. Um, with, I spoke with Marcel Afram, a famous uh, trans non-binary DC chef. Uh, shout out to you, Marcel, about diaspora culture and the importance of of holding on to that culture and then bringing that forth through through your food, through your cooking, and so on. And it's a beautiful thing. And what you do and what you have been doing online has obviously touched and influences a lot of people it even it even caught me obviously um because i i had been a follower right not only for the face um but <laughs> but uh listen it's been a while since uh, it's a, it's very lonely here in 120 square feet and it's been a it's been a while since i've had a guest <laughs> i can hit on <laughs> so, so uh but where was i now i've lost my train of thought no but um yeah, diaspora culture and just holding on to that and coming forth and and the like why we eat the way we do and then bringing that forth in our own kitchens and holding on to that tradition as well. Does that make sense? I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like in terms of in terms of cooking, in terms of this third culture cuisine, where it's like I've, I'm kind of searching for authenticity, not in like not in authenticity of culture, but as much as authenticity in self, because there's just so much about what it means to be like growing up as a brown kid in America. 
Um, the stories, even though, you know, our cultures might be vastly different, the things that we all have in common and the way that we all grew up here are very similar. And every everything down to, like, going to our respective ethnic grocery stores and kind of, like, growing up with foods that we may not really understand how to make them, but the minute we have something or the minute we taste something that is super familiar to us, it triggers like a core memory where it's like immediately we're transplanted either to our grandma's or our mom's mom's kitchen or something like that, where it's like, and we can, and this can happen like anywhere at any restaurant where it's like, like, oh my God, what is this? I know this, but at the same time, you don't know what to call it or you don't yeah, know what it is yeah, in that language. And that's kind of the beauty about the the culinary melting pot, especially the LGBTQ culinary melting pot that we foster here on the podcast. Where did the love of cooking come from? My love, um, <laughs> my love of cooking came from absolute necessity. When I first moved to Detroit, there was very few, if not any, traditional Chinese restaurants where I could eat the food that I was used to when I was back home. So I started like through the use of books and blogs, um, just re-exploring my own heritage through food because I just missed it so much. And that grew into a blog of my own, which turned into a pop-up in the city where I was serving this food. And that got me working in restaurants. And the next thing I knew, I had my own place. That's an incredible... Story and an incredible journey, and now I remember where I was going because of this third culture cuisine and what you do and and the journey that you've been on. Um, Yes, I've been following for a while, but we even spoke about this, and you said that this was one of your most popular TikTok videos where you pulled out a wrap, and you you were like, instead of eating this, right, why don't you eat this? And it was... Uh, noodle dish, if I'm not mistaken, right? And, and and you got a lot of heat for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, oh, I totally did. And so like, in that sense, like I was talking about like the concept of ethnic food, like being as healthy as any of these like, um, you know, westernized health diets. You know, I, it, it was a that specific video that you're talking about was a. Uh, more of a commentary on wellness culture in America where everything had was like super stringent or all or nothing. Um, you just look at like certain diet cultures, like alkaline vegan diets or keto trim diets spa. and stuff like that. It's very, slim it's very all slim fast, baby. Trim, right. Work. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I noticed with a thing with a lot of these diets is always like very restrictive and oftentimes cuts out any kind of deep ethnic or cultural foods. And like, you know, we talk about a, a wrap. A wrap is, of course, um, a, just a gentrified tortilla uh, used outside of the context of the original uh, culture that it's used for. But like you'll find in these diets, it's always like some kind of dumbed down kind of like bland version of an ethnic food where you have these wellness people go in and just like pick and choose from different cultures and different other ethnicities in the hopes of trying to like mystify this dish and make it just exotic enough. But at the same time, like to us as people who actually consume this food, it's just completely watered down and made totally bland. Yeah, it's, um, it, it, 
it really took the internet by storm. And it really, it, it actually was eye-opening, even to myself, because as someone who grew up eating and still does eat a, ver- uh, a vast variety of food, but, like, growing up eating, you know, Puerto Rican food, and, like, Puerto Rican food stereotypically <laughs> is a lot of, like, fatty meats and, you know, but, like, when you get, in, when you get into it, like, it doesn't have to be unhealthy at all. And so it really hit home, and I was really, like oh my God, this guy is doing it. This person is legit just killing it at this game. And, and I knew, I, I, I knew the haters were going to come for you, but like no one can really say anything because you know what? The truth hurts sometimes. It does. And like the people that it generally offends, I mean, like I did, I couldn't help but notice that they were all um, people, not of my own culture and not, and people not Certainly, like very few brown people had anything to comment on 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 those videos, and I think it would because it was a challenge to the overall wellness, the concept of wellness, which is a predominantly white yeah. industry. Let's be real, um, like because it challenges that it made a lot of people angry, and that's fine yeah. because you know, uh, 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 yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my god, random random thought, random sidebar. Do you know what I learned today? But that white people did not invent ranch dressing. They can't claim it. What? Wait. Ranch came from a black man who owned a ranch somewhere in California (laughs) and renamed it Hidden Valley Ranch. And him and his wife used to throw these parties and she used to cook and he used to make this thing called ranch dressing. (laughs) And he and he sold it and uh, like sold it to like the local market, sold it to a local restaurant. The Clorox company uh, caught on and bought it for him for like, like eight million or something like that. Word. So just okay. so you know, you All can't right. have that either. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Before we cut out to break, we just passed National Coming Out Day, and you know, here on In Your Mouth, I would be amiss if we didn't talk about coming out because each each and every one of our coming out stories are are and is important, is and are important, Um, you know, because we never know who we can affect out there. And I'm curious to know if you would share your coming out story with us. Mine? Well, let's... When is National Coming Out Day? Uh, National Coming Out Day was October 11th. I had no idea. Um, Well, I think... See, I, unfortunately, mine was pretty boring in the sense that, like, I didn't really have to say anything to anyone. Like, in the case of my parents, um, like, I kind of just came out to my mom by showing her a picture of the guy I was dating at the time. And that was, like, it. Well, I guess, I guess there is a little story behind that. Okay, so... I was showing her the I showed her the picture of this guy and she was like, "Well, you know what? As long as you're being safe, I don't care what. Like I'm just glad that you're happy." And then she looks at me and she's like, "You are being safe, right?" And I was like, "Well, um cuz the guy was like before we were doing anything physical, he wanted us to like wait for some reason." And so like we had been dating for like 2 or 3 months and we hadn't had sex yet. And I yeah, think that, that's the Patty Stanger rule, millionaire he, matchmaker. Right. <laughs> and I told my mom, I told her that like, well, we haven't really done anything yet. And she was like, 
well, how long have you been dating? And I was like, oh, three months. And she just looks at the photo and she's like, it seems a little long to wait. <laughs> I was like, okay. My mom called me oh a fruit. <laughs> yep. Yes, she did. Listen, when moms are good, when, when moms of uh, queer kids are good, they are good. Shout out to all the moms doing the work out there and taking care of us. And for those dads that have shown up too, we celebrate you. And that is hysteri- that's hysterical. That yeah. <laughs> is hysterical. And I thank you for sharing with us because you know what? Coming out stories are unqualifiable. Mm-hmm. And, and so each and every one of our experiences is different and is part of our journey and who we've become today. And like I said, we never know who we can affect, especially since we are in the week of National Coming Out Day. It's even that much more important to celebrate us and our stories. But right now, I want to celebrate my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast, John. I hope you're ready. It's a little something we like to call... If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Food News Update! Food News! Food News! Honey, you ain't ready, girl! Spill the tea! News Update! Oh, fudge! (laughs) This family has accidentally been using a missing headstone to make candy. A missing head? Did you say a missing headstone? Yeah. Like a group? Like, yes. Not like a giving headstone. Like a, <laughs> a gravestone. <laughs> so apparently in the first half of the 19th century, and thank you to Food and Wine a Magazine for mo- most of my food news these days, Peter J. Weller was a prominent businessman and restaurant owner in Lansing, Michigan. When he died in 1849... Um, He was buried in the city's Oak Park Cemetery. A quarter century later, he was moved to Mount Hope Cemetery south of the city center, but his headstone was lost somewhere in his first, between his first and final resting places. Earlier this year, a Michigan auction house was called to evaluate the items in a house in Okemos after the owner moved into a nursing home. Brad Stoker of Epic Auctions and Estate Sales was puzzled when he found a five-foot-long white granite slab in the house and was even more bewildered when he flipped it over and realized it was somebody's tombstone. Apparently, this family uh, was a, were big fudge makers, and somehow they ended up with this marble slab and were making fudge on it. Bitch, you wanted me to say all of that? No, I didn't want you to say all of that. That's, just... <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm like, here. Is, like, what, like, what game is this? What am I supposed... Was there an answer to this? But fun fact, you said um, Okimos, the city that you're talking about is Okimos, and oh. Tyler Oakley and Kim Chi are from that town. Oh, love them. But Tyler Oakley, is that like... Who that? He's a gay 
He's a gay who? YouTuber, Tyler Oakley. You know Tyler Oakley. Okay, maybe, fine. Maybe I do. Does he need to be on the pod? But a shout out, <laughs> shout out to Kim G. No, it's just so crazy. How do you not, how do you, For I have a lot of questions about this. How did the headstone fall off the truck and land in someone's fudge-making factory? Secondly, you're going to tell me this man never turned that granite slab over? Like when he <laughs> when he installed it to see, here lies, dearly departed? <laughs> what if it was actually turned up and as that's just what it was imprinted on every one of the fudges that they made? <laughs> you know, it was just this guy's date. <laughs> some, some like poor man... I mean, well, at least at least they weren't making fudge with like you know body parts or or, or anything, and it was just it was just a headstone, <laughs> even though the sacrilege of it all. Um, Food and Wine goes on to say that um, there's another headstone someplace that sh- that some woman uh, imprinted on her headstone her fudge recipe. <laughs> that's so good that like all right i mean not that i wanted to be buried but uh i think if i were and i had a headstone uh and this is a morbid conversation it would say something crazy like i told you i was sick or some sort of crazy recipe <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you not want to be buried i actually want it i i prefer to be cremated i think you're taking too much space up if said. you get buried I t- like, like, why, why? I want to be, I want to be as skinny as possible Hello? and like, just make me some dust. Just make That's me dust. I told my brother once upon a time, you drag my body out into the middle of Times Square, ga- douse it in gasoline and light a match so I could be the brightest light on Broadway for one night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and as morbid as that is, I don't know if we're here for making fudge on a marble slab or not, but we just got to move on from, from this morbid topic. <laughs> Grey Poupon is now making wine. Yeah, would you drink Grey Poupon wine? No. Well, I mean, I'll try anything once, but like, I don't have a lot. I don't have high hopes for it. Wait, is it just like the same company or? Well, Well, get into this. The mustard brand's La Moutarde Vin is available now while supplies last. Right, so Grey Poupon apparently has introduced a wine made with its mustard seeds. Le, Le Moutard Vin is being billed as a celebration of the white wine used in the beloved condiment one-of-a-kind Dijon recipe. Re, the resulting full-bodied Viognier 2020, which is the first ever wine to not only be infused with Grey Poupon's mustard seed, but also literally contains the seeds in the bottle is said to offer bright hints of spice and pronounced citrus and floral characteristics, balanced by a vibrant acidity. I mean, it doesn't sound very good, but I'll still try it. I'm just I'm just worried about, like, seeds in my wine. I mean, I'm sure they take No, out. the seeds are in I'm there. Sure. That's, what, that's what they oh. said. Why do you want some gritty-ass wine? That doesn't sound good at all. Oh, wait, maybe, maybe like the seeds kind of like soak it all up so it's almost like boba in wine, which also sounds awful. Yes, but or do you remember yeah. way back when, are you old enough to remember Orbitz soda? Orbitz, that's exactly what I was thinking, but I didn't know if that was like a 
such an old reference. It is an old reference because we are old queens from way back. In your mouth, listeners, <laughs> way back when there used to be a soda that came out that uh, was called Orbit, and it had these tiny, I guess, kind of like boba, but like they're like little tapioca balls that somehow floated in the soda and stayed still. Yeah, and it was like it tasted like. Clearly Canadian soda, but with just like balls. I I mean, not those kind of balls. Explains a lot. Like not the good yeah. kind of balls. <laughs> <laughs> and well, yet another old reference. Remember, clearly Canadian. Didn't they try? Clearly Canadian. I feel like they tried to make a comeback. Not that. It, that that's the only reason why I thought of it because like they recently tried to come back, and then I. Tr- I thought I loved that stuff, and then I had one recently, and by recently, I mean, like, within the last couple of years, and I was like, this is just fizzy sugar water, which I get why I liked it as a kid, but this is gross I now. used to love a Clearly Canadian, like a black cherry. The strawberry flavor? Yes, that was all yes, yeah. I think it had a koala on it for some reason, yeah. but it was called Clearly Canadian. Yeah, they were all over the yeah. place. A hot... Well, I mean, back to this wine, I'd, I'd definitely try it because, you know what, as, as we wind down and, and start moving into the reds of it all, if, if Grey Poupon sends me, you know, the, a, a bottle of mustard and some wine, why, why the hell not, you know? Um, but I, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. If anything, it has to be better than the Hallmark holiday wine, Joy and Jingle. <laughs> it's all I have to say. I didn't know that was a thing. That at is all. Hallmark has wines that pair with their Christmas movies. You know what, like seasonal wine, I used to really. I haven't had it since college, which is probably says a lot for why I liked it then because it was a sugary one. I was all about the Witch's Brew in October. Did you ever drink no, that? I don't know what that is? Like it was the wine that you were supposed to warm up. It was like bottled mulled wine. Oh. And like you heat it up over the stovetop, and it was like it was really nice. I'd put some like orange peel and cinnamon in there. A, a mulled wine, I am here here for. I love Break mulled wine. The... It would get drunk much faster too. I don't know. Maybe it was because it was hot. Yeah, I maybe isn't that supposed to cook off the alcohol? I don't, I don't know. know. Low heat, low heat on it all. I also don't drink that much anymore, so I get drunk a lot well, faster. Well, that's that's the way I like uh, that's the way I like my men's. <laughs> <laughs> drunk and eat. Drunk and easy and economical. (laughs) Grey Poupon, send us some mustard and wine. And last but not least, certainly not least, Yelp created wallpaper patterns of cities' beloved local restaurants. Isn't that cute? Oh, yeah. You're like, I'm I'm not. I mean, like, as a person who who worked in restaurants, we we don't really have a lot of love for Yelp. Yes, but listen, Yelp... Has part, Yelp can be problematic for sure, <laughs> but Yelp has partnered with home decor site Chasing Paper to design and offer three new wallpaper prints that feature graphic designer Amanda Jeffries' adorable illustrations of small businesses from Austin, New York City, and San Francisco. This is my favorite part about this, John. The proceeds from the sale of each limited edition pattern will benefit three local charities. Big Austin, which provides resources and education for entrepreneurs and would-be small business owners. New York's Hot Bread Kitchen, which provides support for immigrants, people of color, and women in the food industry. And San Francisco's women-led kitchen incubator, La Cocina Municipal marketplace work okay like we we can get behind this yeah i can get behind that that sounds good 
I, for some reason, when you said Amanda, I thought you were going to say Amanda Lepore. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to be like, ooh, that's really interesting. Yes, it's, a, it's Amanda Lepore wallpaper, and all it is is titty prints, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Titties and tassels. Like, that's it. And lips. A big pair of lips, right? <laughs> Hysterical. Um, the Austin design includes illustrations of Bird Bird Biscuits, Granny's Tacos, Home Slice Pizza, and the Wheatsville Co- Food Co-op. New Yorkers will spot Amy Ruth's Los Tacos Numero Uno, which is my fave. Shout out to you. Like the best taco in New York City. Nan Zhang Long Bao and the Meatball Shop and San Francisco's Foodies can point out Comstock Saloon. Liholiho Yacht Club, Marafuku Ramen, and Suppin Kuche, among others. The wallpaper's cute. Like, put it on a backsplash. I don't know if I want a whole room, but it's cute. <laughs> okay. Like, maybe... I can't, but, like, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll go for Like, it. Uh, maybe if it was, like, a peel-and-stick, like, one of those, like, cute <laughs> removables. I I don't know. I, I don't think you're here for... Like a card... Just, uh, just something to put. <laughs> I don't know if you're here for it, but I, I am certainly here for this wallpaper and the charities that they are helping. And with that, I think that's the perfect way to end food and news update. <laughs> I love that you were very confused with the whole thing. <laughs> I have no idea what was going on. I still, I don't know what's happening now. Oh my God! Get off the edibles, John. No more edibles. <laughs> oh my goodness! So I hear, or I I have read that you at one point had paired with an anime company. Is this true? Are you still doing this? And tell us more. Yeah, no. Um, that was like my first major partnership gig was with Funimation back, like, uh, I think almost a year ago now. Which doesn't sound like that long, but like that was my career is only like one and a half years long when it comes to like doing food on social media. So it was like still like when I was just starting out and they saw what I was doing and asked me to do like a five episode series on ramen themed after the anime uh, Naruto. Uh, So pretty iconic and seminal uh, anime series. but but yeah, that was that was awesome. It was my first major job, and I was super excited. And even then, I didn't know if like there was a career in this for me at that point. But like that's when I should have known. That 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 was like when it became when it should have been obvious to me. It was like, oh, this could be a yeah, thing. Yeah. I'm I mean I'm I'm fascinated. I'm not I'm not an anime person. Like I I've just never gotten into it. And I've had a bunch of uh, gay gamers, G A Y M E R S, on here who loved, who have talked about anime. Um, several actually, and every time I'm lost. Are there a lot of LGBTQ characters or storylines in anime? This is something I am completely oblivious to. There are a lot of queer coded characters in anime. Um, most icon, well, not queer coded, but most iconically was two characters in Sailor Moon. Um, in the anime Sailor Moon, which I'm sure you've heard of, because uh, like that was one that even crossed over into the states, into North America, like really early on. Um, 
In the Japanese version, the original version of the Sailor Moon series, there were two characters that were just lesbians that had just like they had a romantic relationship together. But in the dub, when it came to the States, they turned into like cousins or sisters or something like that. Because, you know, we can't have anything no. nice out here. <laughs> but yeah, in anime in general, there's there's not there's there aren't a lot of like queer straight up storylines but there are a lot of queer coded characters um queer coded i like i i don't know if i like the terminology or don't like the terminology queer coded right like just just absorbing that speaking of queer queer coding right. i was recently on a flight and i i saw decided to watch disney's luca have you seen this I have not seen it yet. I want to. Oh my god! Speaking of queer coding, uh, don't watch it on a plane. You will cry your eyes out. But <laughs> it's a complete coming of age gay love story. That I, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. And all I find myself doing now is running running around my tiny apartment, screaming Santa Mozzarella <laughs> <laughs> and. Silencio Bruno. See, I know that because that sounds like a TikTok trend. It was all over TikTok for like months. Oh my God. And just the way there's just, I'm not ruining anything from the movie, but just the way uh, there's this thing about like your inner demons and like shutting up that inner voice. And like the kids are like, Silencio Bruno, because they, they just don't understand, right? And they like gave it a name and to tell it to be quiet. And so it's this running theme throughout the movie that is hysterical. You know, um, it's a must watch. I'm off the rails again. Uh, one th another journey I have been on on this podcast to completely pivot and kind of started by the one and only and quite incredible Michael Twitty is talking about and defining what queer food is. And I love to ask all my guests, like, how do we define queer food, if at all? Or is that a thing? I mean, you know, classically as a gay man, queer food to me would be like a vodka soda with a lime. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know um, personally if anything that I could... I, I've been so focused on, like, expressing myself through my cultural heritage um, that I never really considered my queerness to be a part of any of the food that I was actually serving, I would attribute a lot of credit creatively to my queerness and my ability to just be, um, I guess, like just unafraid to express all of my passions through the medium of food. I guess uh, it, it's it's been really inspirational to see a lot of the people, a lot of like the people that I look up to when it comes to what creativity and what self-expression is, have been people in like the drag scene, the nightclub scene here and in, in music, uh, just watching the people do what they love and express everything that they are about them so freely and so fully have been points of inspiration to me to express everything from like my love of anime to my love of culture to my love of like my city through my food and I think through that process I think queerness has been uh, has been kind of like important to how I go about doing that but otherwise like you know is like what is gay food I don't know brunch 
Yeah, yeah. Listen, we've had we've had all sorts of answers on this podcast, and I mean, I started my journey because I didn't see myself represented, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, you are you are really deep rooted in cooking culturally, but you know, part of part of who you are, right? Yes, is your culture, but is is being, you know, a, a person of the LGBTQ community, and and seeing that representation. Right for for other young Asian LGBTQ people or people questioning, I think is really really important and and I think it's it's uh, what makes you special and and what makes a lot you know, all of my guests for the most part special right but those especially those of color because there we still aren't represented in in mainstream food media in that right way, right and so but- and so to to put that forth right within your cooking however that is i think there within lies the answer yeah uh, having the courage to say everything that i want to say in the way that i want to say it i would absolutely attribute to my queerness and that takes full credit for it the ability to express myself in a way that isn't like inhibited by things like you know toxic masculinity or fear in general or societal fear in general like you know I already had to deal with all of that through living as a queer person and so why would I allow anything that I had overcome before in life hinder me creatively in my creative in my work process so yeah all credit goes to that for sure to being able to express myself in the way that I want Absolutely. Absolutely. I just love this question. And sometimes, um, you know, there are certain people who just don't uh, don't know what to do with it. And that's also my favorite thing, just kind of watching like because it's a weird question. And, uh, you know, it get, it really gets the gears turning. And I've had I've even had people come back at me being like, I hate you because I've this is all I've been thinking about for the past three days, you know, and we, and we have Michael Twitty to thank for that one. What is next for you? What's on the docket? Where are you going? You know, well, I'll be back in New York in a week, <laughs> but I'll be I, I'm back in New York in a week promoting my friend's book, um, the Korean vegan, uh, Joanne, who just like had who just uh, launched her book, also called The Korean Vegan. And I'm working on my own right now. Um, It's like two years out before publishing. So, you know, there's not really much to say about it, except for the fact that I'm busy writing it and I'm trying to find the time to write it throughout all of this TikTok stuff. But yeah, a lot of stuff has happened in like this 15, 16 months. And I'm just (laughs) trying to get a handle on all of it. Absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, every. I think that's the way everyone is feeling these days. Like as, as we're still in it, but kind of out of it, but still oddly in it, and with, within the news cycle, and you know, even going in and out of like, do I wear a mask here? Do I not wear a mask here? Can I, can, like what? Yeah. So like, just grabbing a handle, and, you know, like I think getting up every day and just like pushing through and 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 accomplishing all the things that you are doing and, and climbing that ladder is just a testament of like you know doing what you need to do and and you know having a handle on it if you will you know <laughs> 
Oh my goodness, what a special day and what a special episode. Thank you for coming on. I mean, I've been dying I've been dying to have you on the pod. And so um this has been such a great time and um I can't thank you enough. Before we close out, give the kids the handles, the Twitter, the Instagram, the TikTok, the OnlyFans and uh, and all the rest, please. Um so all across all socials, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, um, even I even have a Twitch account, but I don't do anything with it. But it's Chef John Kung on all of them. C-H-E-F-J-O-N-K-U-N-G. And the OnlyFans account will drop when book pre-orders happen. Yes. So just keep, keep an eye yes, out for that. And I will be front row and center. You'll have to come back. You know, uh, hopefully I'll still be in existence two years from now when when the book launch, you know, happens, right? Me me podcast as Sue podcast, and I can't wait to have you back in the city. Um, maybe we can share this mooncake that I saved for you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Big shout out to Chef Jonathan Kung because this has been such a great day and another great episode. Out there in your mouth listeners, uh, the weather is gorgeous here in New York City. Uh, in New York City, It's not sweater weather just yet, but it's getting there and I'm enjoying every last minute of it and you should too. Get out there, get some fresh air, uh, get vaxxed, get your booster shot. You know, you know where I stand on all of this. All that's left that I have to say is... Thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth. In Your Mouth.